0: Hey y'all, Eves here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. On with the show. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. The day was January 27th, 1945, Soviet forces finally arrived at Auschwitz, the complex of Nazi concentration camps in Poland, after liberating Warsaw and Krakow earlier in January. We ran up to them and they gave us hugs, cookies, and chocolate, survivor Eva Kor said later. She was just 10 years old when the camps were liberated. We were not only starved for food, but we were starved for human kindness, and the Soviet army did provide some of that, Eva Kor said. Auschwitz was actually a network of concentration, death, and labor camps. There was Auschwitz I, the main camp, Auschwitz II, Birkenau, and Auschwitz III, Manowitz. Originally designed for prisoners of war, Birkenau evolved into a death camp for Jewish, Romani, and gay people, and anyone else deemed subhuman. The majority of people who died at Auschwitz took their last breaths at Birkenau, So when the Red Army arrived at Auschwitz, it was a victory. But the reality was the troops were still at a place where over one million people died at the hands of the Nazis and their nationalist, racist policies. More than 600 corpses lay in piles around the camp, and over 7,000 survivors were left behind. But the Nazis had already left. You see, the end of the Second World War was nearing, and Allied troops were closing in on the Nazi camps. So before the Soviets got to Auschwitz, the Nazis at the camps focused their efforts on getting rid of all the evidence of their crimes. At SS leader Heinrich Himmler's orders, the Nazis destroyed part of the gas chambers at Auschwitz-Birkenau in late 1944. Well, they did it. They actually forced the Sonderkommando, or prisoners assigned to manage the gas chambers, to take apart the crematoria piece by piece. And in January of 1945, the Nazis blew up and set on fire the rest of the buildings and even burned documents in the streets. As part of their last-ditch attempt to cover up their tracks and carry out the mandate of creating a so-called Aryan race, the SS called for the abandonment of Auschwitz. As Soviet forces got closer in mid-January 1945, the SS sent 60,000 prisoners west, away from approaching troops and into the heart of the crumbling German Reich. What the SS euphemistically called evacuation was really what prisoners more appropriately called a death march. Remember, it was winter in Poland. Sick and starving adults and children alike walked miles through snow, mud, ice, and blizzards, wearing their thin prison uniforms, only to end up at another concentration camp or die on the way there. People who couldn't keep up were beaten and murdered and many died from exhaustion or freezing. It's not known exactly how many people died on the death marches from Auschwitz, but some estimates put the toll at as many as 15,000 people. But even after all of the Nazi's destruction, evidence of the brutality and magnitude of death at Auschwitz remained. SS Commander Ernst Schmauser had ordered everybody left behind to be killed But guards had deserted the camp, and about 7,000 people who hid during the evacuation or were deemed unable to make the brutal trip to Germany were at Auschwitz when the Soviets arrived, covered in waste and emaciated. Among the ruins, the Army found over 800,000 women's coats, tens of thousands of pairs of shoes, more than 300,000 men's suits, and nearly eight tons of human hair hundreds of Soviet soldiers died liberating the camps. Auschwitz prisoners had made many attempts, successful and unsuccessful, to resist and escape Nazi tyranny. But on January 27th, people at the camps were finally able to envision a future beyond slavery, cruel medical experimentation, and being poisoned to death. But liberation didn't mean immediate freedom. Some people quickly left the camps, And most children who left went to children's homes and orphanages, though some did find their parents. But other former prisoners were incredibly exhausted and sick, and many died despite being fed and given medical assistance. Many Jewish people didn't have homes to go to or faced the threat of violent anti-Semitism back at home. And even after physical liberation, the mental and emotional effects of imprisonment at Auschwitz remained. In 2005, the United Nations declared January 27th, International Holocaust Remembrance Day. I'm Yves Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Chandler Mays for all his production help. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, I'm Eve, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast where we bring you a slice of history every day. The day was January 27th, 1912. Norwegian philosopher Arne Eid Ness was born. Ness was known for being an influential figure in the environmental movement and coining the term deep ecology. Ness was born in Slemdall, near Oslo, Norway, to a wealthy family. His father, Ragnar, died before he turned one year old. Arna found an early interest in nature and philosophy. By the time he was a teenager, he had already become an adept mountaineer. He also began attending university lectures. Ness did undergraduate work at the Sorbonne in Paris and graduate work at the University of Vienna and the University of California, Berkeley. In Vienna, he worked with the Vienna Circle, the school of philosophers who developed the movement of logical positivism. Ness got his doctorate in philosophy from the University of Oslo. In 1938, Ness finished building a hut in the Hollingskadova Mountains. Mm -hmm. He called the hut Te Vergestein, and for much of his life, he lived and spent time here developing his philosophical ideas. Soon after graduating, he became the youngest ever professor of philosophy at the University of Oslo. He was also the only professor of philosophy in Norway at the time. Once appointed, he made the history of ideas a prerequisite for all academic fields. In his book, Truth as Conceived by Those Who Are Not Professional Philosophers, Ness was one of the first people to use statistical methods and questionnaires to survey philosophical beliefs. But Nazi Germany invaded Norway in 1940. Influenced by Gandhi's active nonviolent resistance, Ness advocated for the same. He stayed on the faculty at the University of Oslo, but he was not passive. He worked for the Norwegian intelligence agency XU during the occupation, and he collaborated with members of the resistance. After the war, he even mediated conversations between torturers and the families of torture victims. Ness was also influenced by the work of Dutch philosopher Baruch Spinoza, a prominent rationalist in the 17th century. After the war, Ness continued to work on language and communication and published more works. UNESCO invited him to lead a project to explore controversies between the East and West over the terms democracy and freedom. He also founded the journal Inquiry about philosophy, science, and society. Ness led the first expedition up Tirich Mir, the highest mountain in the Hindu Kush Range in 1954. Ness was influenced by Rachel Carson's 1962 book Silent Spring about the environmental effects of pesticides. Norway's culture is also deeply rooted in nature. Ness became heavily involved in environmental activism in the 1960s. He remained an avid mountaineer. He retired from his professorship in 1969. And he coined the terms deep ecology movement and ecosophy in the 1973 article, The Shallow and the Deep Long Range Ecology Movement, a summary. In his view, the shallow ecology movement provided short-term technological solutions to environmental issues. Deep ecology stressed the importance of changing norms, values, and practices in environmental decision-making. An ecosophy is a personal philosophy or wisdom grounded in attention to the earth that guides a person's actions toward and beliefs about nature and human beings. Ness called his ecosophy T, the T standing for Te Vergestein, and he traveled around the world encouraging others to develop their own ecosophies. Ness went on to run for office with the Norwegian Green Party and became the first chairman of Greenpeace Norway. He died in Oslo in 2009. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. We also accept electronic letters at this day at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks again for listening and have a fantastic 24 hours until we see you again.